Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Dr. Joy Mason is a medical intuitive, empath, medium, and Asian bodywork therapist for people and pets who specializes in animal communication. To find out more about Joy and to contact her about services for communicating with your furry or feathered loved one, you can contact her at joymason.com or on Facebook at Joy Mason Animal Communicator. Joy also specializes in communication with nonverbal children and can assist you with navigating through regression and escalating behaviors. I've had the privilege of working with Joy with my own autistic daughter, and she's really helped her get through a very, very tough time. She is insightful, helpful, and very patient and very entertaining to work with, especially if you have pretty stubborn children or furry friends. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Joy Mason. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. Today, we have another interview of a very special lady and friend of mine, Joy Mason, who has a very amazing talent that I want to introduce to you all, and I let her explain it herself. Joy Mason, say hello. Hi. 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 So, so Joy, tell us a little bit about what what it is that you do. Um, Well... I'm a doctor of veterinary medicine who's an animal communicator, a veterinary acupuncturist, a veterinary um, animal masseuse, a human acupuncturist, and I do human massage. Human massage too? That's yes. that's a lot of feathers in, in that very pretty cap of yours. <laughs> and so, so what... When did you realize that you could do all this, Joy? Well, I guess, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> when I was a kid, I was raised in Europe. My dad was military, and we lived in Germany and France. When I was five and came back to the United States, I moved there when I was like five and a half. I distinctly remember going on a tour of Europe with my parents when I was eight, and I remember saying to my mother, when I, I just would always tell my mom, um, when we were at the, oh, now Dobby's going to start. Oh, Dobby, you're your bird, right? Yeah, yeah, my, my ring neck parrot. Yes. <laughs> when we were at the Coliseum, I remember saying to my mother, I said, it was just a small tour, there weren't a bunch of people there, and I remember saying to my mother, it's really loud in here. Wow. Um, and she went, oh, okay. You know, she was very good about not going, oh, you you know, you're, you don't hear anything. So that was when I was eight. <clears throat> and then when I was in pre-veterinary medicine, I went to visit one of my classmates in Hawaii. And... We went to uh, the Arizona Memorial. Yes. And I remember standing on top of it, and I, I was getting sick because I could hear them. I could hear them talking. 
Oh I my could God. feel them. I could feel, you know, the spirit below. Wow. We went to the poly and I could see people jumping, you know, and then, so I've had various experiences like that. Wow. But when I was, um, when I was 15, I had a very traumatic horse accident. And I had a brand new horse, had her for three days, and I was riding her out out of the arena because she was under quarantine on the military base I lived on okay. in Albuquerque. And she reared and fell back on me. <gasps> um, and I can tell you'll understand what I had. I had a bilateral sacroiliac luxation. Wow. Not subluxation, luxation. Oh my God. Nothing was broken now. Are you ready for that? And fell wow. back on me. She fell sideways over me, not straight back because she would have killed me if she would have hit my head. Right. Um, so I was in a body cast for three months. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and um, while I was in the body cast, I was trying to decide what I was going to do with my life, and I decided maybe I'd either be. Uh, pediatrician or a veterinarian yeah but before the accident I was a ballerina and I wanted to go and work be in the Alvin Ailey dance troupe in New York wow yeah so it you know I started walking again and I had this thing with this horse that I got her name was Beetle hmm. and it seemed like every time she she was sick I would know she was sick and I knew what to do and wow. the veterinarian came out and at one point he says how are you doing this I'm like I don't know I just <laughs> had this feeling that you know she's colicking I gotta help her that kind of thing. <clears throat> so that was when graduated from high school when I was 17 um, and went to pre-vet you know I never went back to ballet because I was having I was in a lot of pain just trying to walk a lot of spasms and that kind of thing Oh gosh. Um, so I went through vet school and I graduated one week, the next week married a classmate of mine and we moved to LA and we bought a practice in Taos, New Mexico, which is supposed to be a vortex like Sedona. Oh, right. Yes. For spiritual activity. Yeah. So, um, I remember probably 19... 88. We moved moved there in 1984. We graduated from vet school in 83, moved to Taos in 84. And in 88, I had talked to a friend of ours that was at the gym. And I said, I don't know what's going on. I'm uncomfortable in the back of the clinic. And we lived where we worked. My in-laws had built an apartment next to the clinic, which is just a terrible situation, but <laughs> I would have to walk through my husband's office, through the office, you know, where all our books and stuff were, to the back of the clinic, to the front of the clinic, and, and at one point my husband said, I noticed you don't like being in the back of the clinic so much, what's going on? And I really thought about it, and like the experience in the Coliseum, it was very loud back there. Mm. It was making very uncomfortable Hmm. and so I told a friend of mine at the gym excuse me and he said well I have a woman in Santa Fe that'll be able to help you now I'm I'm a scientist I'm not 
I, I know nothing about, um, you know, your third eye. <clears throat> so I go down there and I tell her what, what's going on. And we sat across each other in a room. And she said, I distinctly remember she said to me, I'm going to open your third eye. And I'm like, okay, sure. What's that? I didn't even know what it was, right? <laughs> yeah. So she opens my third eye. Okay, cool. Whatever that is. And I go home. I drive. It's an hour and a half from... It's an hour and a half from Santa Fe to Taos. And the next thing I know, I'm touching animals. And it wasn't every animal. Touching right. animals. And you would see my body change to what they have. Whoa. Right. And it was uncomfortable. And it was confusing. And I had no control over it. Wow. And I would get sick. And um, I think one of the first experiences, and, and it turns out that at that time, I also was pregnant at that time. Oh, wow. And I remember my, my, my ex-husband would go to the gym. We would close at six. He'd go to the gym and work out and come back. And I, I didn't go to the gym with him. And so he came back, and I told him, I said, this dog is, ha is in having respiratory problems. I said, have you checked him lately? Because... He's telling me he's, he's not comfortable with this. He doesn't know how much longer he can do it. <clears throat> and my ex-husband, who's very, very linear, is like, did you read the record? I'm like, yeah, I kind of looked over it, but this, this dog's not breathing well. He's not doing well. His tongue's a little blue. You know, definitely not getting air into his body. Yeah. And I said, and he said, I don't know if I can do this much longer. Oh. So we took him into surgery, we put a mask on him, trying to, you know, give him some oxygen. My ex-husband calls the clients and says, he's not doing well, We're, I'm not sure that you want to keep him going. So they decide to put him to sleep. I don't remember what the, the initial cause was. Hmm. So I'm holding off the vein for him while he's putting in the, the euthanasia solution. Mm -hmm. And I just about passed out when it hit the heart. Oh, wow. So I'm holding and all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> I'm doing this, you know. And, and my ex-husband said, you know, you better let him go. He, he didn't know what the heck was going on. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Wow. So the dog died. And, you know, of course, we put the dog to sleep, and I'm giving, I'm giving my ex-husband all this data of what the dog's thinking, what the dog's saying, and the feeling of him, you know, having his last few breaths. It was just, it was hard. Oh, my so, God. Then it started where, you know, it wouldn't be every single animal, and my husband, you know, my husband and I had a weird, not very... Um, we had an odd marriage, and <laughs> he was the A student, and I was the C student, and how dare the C student know more about the K <laughs> A student, right? Yeah. So, and he's very, very competitive. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on. But, so, what he would do is... I would tell him something, and he'd say, well, where'd you get that from? Did you get the record? No. Well, how do you know it? Because they're telling me this and that or the other thing. So <laughs> he started testing me. So from 1988 till I left him in 2000, 
he was constantly testing me. Oh my god. He wanted me to be wrong. Wanted me to be wrong. And I was not only, but I'm also a medical intuitive. Right. So one of the things, a lot of diarrhea, I've had diarrhea for a while, and he got it into susception, which is the telescoping of the intestines, Mm -hmm. and we had to go into surgery. Now, it's it's well known, there's around the ileocecal valve area, that's where an susception normally occurs. Uh-huh. But we we admitted the dog, and we were going to go have dinner because I, I don't like to do surgery. So he did the surgery. I was the anesthesiologist. Mm. So we're getting ready to go to dinner, and he says, so tell me where's the blockage. So we told him where it was. We get in, we open up the dog, and I was probably, I don't know. Point two centimeters off. Wow. And he went, okay, okay. So then it was the test. You know, I'm getting ready to go do an x-ray on this dog. Are you getting anything? What do you think here? We had a, I remember we had a dog that came in that had been hit by a car. Uh-huh. We thought it was hit by a car. We weren't sure. So I'm holding the dog in the front. My ex-husband's doing, an, uh, you know, he's got a glove on. He's doing an anal exam he's checking the pelvis and I'm looking at the client is over on our my left his right and I'm I'm talking to him on my right his left so the client can't see and I'm going go over just a little bit and he found it you know wow so it was just you know he found where the break was so it's just one thing after another after another after another and as you know, in the early 80s, I don't think anybody was doing it. Right. You know, that I knew of. I didn't want people to think I was wacko. You know? <laughs> and then when I would get the medical stuff, I would literally get what they had, and I would have, to, my staff would have to walk me over to the apartment and sit me down. I have to sleep for a long time. It was very taxing. Oh, very God, taxing. I can imagine. And over the years, I just got better and better and better at being able to go in and get the data, step back out, you know, and not be affected by it. And then I started doing stuff like, uh, um, I started playing with it. I would have my friends send me the hair off of their dogs or their cats, and I would take the hair and i put it between my fingers and I would read it. And I just got better and better and better. So when I left my husband in 2000, uh, 2002, I had a friend that somebody that they had lost or one of their friends had lost a dog in Canada so she wanted me to help find this dog and it was terrible we never found the dog and the reason you know I don't do lost dogs anymore I don't do lost pets anymore at all but the one of the reasons you couldn't find them is I could see what the dog saw well it's Canada so it was just all these big trees. I can't tell you where he is. Oh, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I am a former Pembroke Rose Corgi breeder. I'm a show dog person. And I thought, well, you know, why don't I go do what I know best, which is showing dogs. I, so I started going to dog shows in, in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the dog shows and... Um, I, people were calling me a pet psychic. I'm uncomfortable with that term mm. because in a lot of religions, it's very, you know, you're demonized for saying, you know, it's something that, you know, 
So I like animal communicator. I make it as simple as I can to people. I am just the via between you and your pet. That's right. it. I, you know, well, how do you do it? I have no idea how I do it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and, and some communicators get words, some get feeling. I get all of it. I get all of it. All of it. Well, that answers one of my questions. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I, I tell people I get words, pictures, thoughts, and feelings. That's incredible. And um, when I first started, and, and I started doing it on the phone, I was doing it at the dog shows, and then I started doing it on the phone. And when I do it on the phone, when I first started doing it, people would call with this, you know, 20 questions, and the dog's going, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm going, I can't stand it. So I finally did, I said, I said, keep your questions there. I'm not going to let you ask any of them. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation because this is your pet's opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. They live in the same house with you. They live with you. They probably know what a lot of your questions are. So at the end, if everything you want to know hasn't been answered, then let's go over the questions. Perfect. And I make it really That's amazing. clear, you know, uh, people will say, I, I, start, I started really giving people a hard time because they would say, you know, I'd say, well, you know, Tanita says, I don't like my food. And they'd go, well, that's not true. She <laughs> eats the food. And I said, no, let, let me explain the rules now. This is your pet's opportunity to talk. Yeah. This is not your opportunity to say, no, that's not right. Because if you want to piss your dog off or your cat or whatever, keep it up. Yeah. That's not how we do my sessions. We don't do my <laughs> sessions like that. Yeah. You listen to the data, you take the data in, and I am, they, well, how do I know you're right? I, and I say, because I'm looking for a change in behavior. Mm. That makes sense. The communication, the communication can change everything. Yes. You know, they haven't been able to talk. They're trying to tell you something. Um, you know, I had I, I had one of my clients who is a, a horse trainer and some of these and she she specializes in ponies, you know. Mm -hmm. They're show ponies. And some of these ponies are quarter of a million dollar horses. You know, for these you know, for these you know, she had just bought a new pony and the and she wanted to know what is wrong with this pony. <laughs> the pony said, Well, you're not doing anything right. <laughs> so it turns out that there was a, the pony was very anal retentive about the procedure. A, oh. A, B, C, D, I go in the ring. You see? Mm, yeah. And the new trainer, who's my client, didn't know A, B, C, D. So, you know, the horse said, we need to do this, and we need to do that, and we need to do this, and we need to do that, and then you need to let me do my thing. Huh. And the, the, the pissiness and the problems totally ended. That's amazing. So those are the kind of things I do. My specialty is show dog horses. Show dogs, show horses, show cats, um, mm. because I know as a show person what we're looking for in our animals. When I first started doing the dog shows, people say, 
oh yeah, there was an animal communicator a couple of shows ago, and my dog said he didn't want to show, and the and the communicator said you have to stop showing. I'm like, what? <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> we make deals with them. We're like, look, I just need you to make get a three point major. You'll have your championship, and then you can sit at home. And this is the deal. We I need you to do this. Once you've done that, we're done. You see what I mean? Because I'm a show dog person. Yeah. I'm also a breeder. I used to breed corgis. So in 2003 or 2004, I had gone up to um, Henderson, Nevada, stayed with a friend of mine that had a dog kennel and stuff. I would stay with her. And she had a litter of puppies. And I know, I would always know who was my pick puppy at about, I don't know, three weeks. <clears throat> Most people don't know that soon. And <laughs> I thought, you know what? I want to play with this. Let me read your litter. So I read litters. And when I read litters, what I'm looking for as a breeder is I want to help the breeder place the puppies in the, in the perfect home so they stay in that home and they don't have to come back to us. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So... I help the breeder, you know, we get there, I help the breeder, you know, I'll say, well, this one, this one's busy in the head, I think it needs to be, you know, be an agility dog, or this one's a this kind of dog, or, you know, and I try to help the breeder place the puppies in the right home. I have a client who's a German Shepherd breeder, and I've probably read, I think that I've been working with her and her dogs for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Oh, wow. And... The most dramatic thing is she had a litter, and I did the reading of the litter. So she was going to place with a woman that needed, wanted to do search and rescue or something like that. And she had picked this puppy, and I said, no. Oh. That, that puppy can't go to her. I said, this puppy is like the dude. He's like, dude, we're hanging out. <laughs> Beach, you know. The big Lebowski reference. I love it. <laughs> Dude. He's the dude. And the dude abides. <laughs> There's no way that he can do the performance stuff. He's the dude. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, okay, Joy. So she thought about it. She figured out who he should go to, who ended up being a, uh, a naturopathic student mm-hmm. that was really chill. Mm-hmm. And the woman that wanted the dog that was really chill had been on a waiting list for two years waiting for the puppy. And my client lives down in a gorge or somewhere and it couldn't the weather was really bad. We couldn't get down into the gorge to physically see the puppies. Mm-hmm. So she'd seen the puppy online and like my client said, I hate to tell you this, but you can't have that puppy. I can I'm gonna I'm, this is the puppy for you. And the client got really upset and wasn't happy, blah, blah, blah. But my client had worked with me long enough that she knows I'm spot on mm-hmm. and she agreed with me. So the lady called back two days later and said, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't need to get upset. You know, I know you know your dogs. I have to trust you. We're going to go with it. Perfect, perfect setup. Oh, perfect good. Setup. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the thing that matters, right? Is that they have oh, a good yeah. setup. Right. I mean, I, I'm a purebred dog snob. I tell <laughs> people, I'm a purebred dog snob. 
My first dog, I got at five years old, a German French Poodle. My parents were members of the German French Poodle Club. You know, I, I'm just a purebred dog snob, and I know how it is to want to do the best for your client and the best for the puppy. Right. So, you know, I, I was trying, uh, that's one of the things I do, and I have a lot of fun. Most of the puppies I've never met. Um, we do it on the phone. The client picks up the puppy. I get into their space. I do the reading. I write it down. Done. Who's next? Who's next? Huh. Um, I had a, a situation when I lived in Pasadena. I had a client that had an Irish wolfhound. Ooh, those are big so, dogs. Yeah. Huge. So her, her bitch only had like one puppy, and they knew we only had one puppy. But And my client wanted every week we would read uh-huh. the mom. And I say, now today, you know, her stomach's upset, she's doing this, she's doing that. And I would try to pick the right homeopathic remedy so mom would be more comfortable. Aww. So the puppy, you know, had to do a C-section because there's only one puppy. And so we, it, you know, we, she had the puppy. And probably about six months later or seven months later, I'm at a dog show in Orange County. And I'm sitting in my booth. And this dog comes around the corner and he says, Hi, Auntie Joy. And I'm like, Who is that? Because I always tell him to call me Auntie Joy. Oh. You know, it's not Dr. Joy's a little too horrible. Auntie Joy's good. Yeah. And I'm like, Who is it? And the client comes around the corner and she said, This is the puppy. Oh. He knew me from, you know, my space from having talked to him in utero. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. And then. Another one I did in utero was I had a friend of a friend call me and say, you have to talk to this, this foal. It wasn't born yet. It was in its mother, and its mother had been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and the horses are pregnant for 11 months. And I had to talk to the baby and say, look, your mom's not doing well. I need you to come out. Or you're not going to have much time with your mother because in the animal world especially with puppies and and also with with foals they initiate the labor wow if you don't if you usually if you have three or less three or less puppies there's not there's not enough puppies there to stimulate the hormones the you know Pitocin. the oxytocin and stuff to actually yeah. start the labor. The labor. Mm-hmm. So you usually have to do C-section. Mm-hmm. So I talk to this foal every day. You have to come out. Mommy's not feeling well. If you want to spend time with your mommy. So that was another one that I met. I was like, oh, hi. And we had argued a lot. <laughs> I was very comfortable in utero. Yeah. I come out. And I said, you have, you know, so I think mom maybe lived for two months, maybe. Aww. But mom died. Mom had cancer. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the kind of stuff I do. Well, I'm glad that the foal was able to come out in time to meet his yes. mom for yeah. a few yeah. months anyway. Yeah. yeah. So do how do animals sound different than people? Or do they sound different at all? Do they sound the same? Not, not to me. Oh, okay. So it's they sound a the same. regular conversation. Oh. But the thing is, is that when I do readings on animals, I have to... I have to tell people, just because I'm talking to you from their viewpoint, I'm taking however they communicate to me 
and I'm giving you the data in words that you'll understand, it doesn't mean that they're human. Got it. The communication comes across that way, but it doesn't mean that they're human. Got it. Yes. Um, so, you know, one of the things I was curious about um, is, do they have auric fields? I don't, I tell you, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't know So, okay. So, well, then maybe they don't. Um, they, so, you know how we all have auras, right? We emit yeah. our auras. Do animals yeah. have something like that? I don't see them. You don't see them? Okay. That makes sense. But, but they do have what I call an energetic space. Oh. And sometimes when they go to dog shows or they're in public mm -hmm. and I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one in person consultation with a client uh -huh. I have to remind the dog you can you have to make your space smaller because you have to share with everybody else that makes you sense because I mean? they're being all pissy at a dog show you can't <laughs> do this this isn't your backyard now you see what I mean yes so I don't see auras you know, I see ghosts and stuff like that, but I don't see auras that I know of. Okay. So. Um, and then let's see do <laughs> this was just funny so I thought for instance like well people from different areas of the world sound different do animals from different areas of the world sound different no I do find that animals that speak German want to speak to me in German oh. and animals that know French want to speak to me in French so I have to kind of tell them you know give me a break now I'm not fluent anymore but you know <laughs> um, no they 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 sound the same. You oh. know, I try to take, if, if I can't understand the words they're saying, I ask them to give me the picture. Oh. And if I can get the mental image picture, then I can interpret that. Got that's it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's really handy that you're able to yeah, see all that. Right, right. Um, and then see, what are the most communicative kinds of animals? I, they, they don't, it doesn't break down like that. Oh, Okay. When, let me put it this way, when I started doing this professionally, there were animals that I couldn't get through to. And the more I did it, you know, it's like, you know, the more you practice putting in that ID catheter, the better you're going to get with that. Right. You know I mean? Yes, so totally. So, you know, I'm at the point now where, you know, I get in, I get in fast, I get the data. Um, I have animals that want to argue with me, and I'm like, no, we don't argue with Auntie George. <laughs> we don't argue. Do you they'll get pissed off and they'll want to walk out of the room and I'll say you're gonna have to shut the door, they gotta come back in, you know. <laughs> yeah. We don't argue with Nancy Joy. Not 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 a good idea. No. I had one client that had a German shepherd, it was the woman that talked to me and started bringing my my skills public and she had a dog, a German shepherd puppy that she bought from somebody, and that dog was very difficult because she wanted to speak German. Oh. She wasn't born in Germany, but she wanted to speak German. So I had to tell my friend, yeah, she's German. And she would do this weird thing and this weird thing. And my friend had, this is a different German Shepherd lady. She had raised German Shepherds and never had one as difficult. And her name was Hannah. And um, <laughs> my friend would say to Hannah, I'm going to call Auntie Joy. And she was running like, no, I'm in trouble. She knew she was in trouble. 
That's so great. Yeah. So, yeah. So you don't, do you notice that there are certain types of species of dog or any sort of, um, I'm sorry, any sort of species of animal, I should say. I'm sorry. I was thinking breed in my head, but it came out species. Sorry. Are there, are there kinds that are like, well, this kind is more prone to being shy or this, this is more prone to being more like in your face or angry when they communicate. No, they just all across the board. They just have their own personality. Like that's just, yeah. Okay. For me, Got I mean, it. you would think that as a veterinarian, I would know certain breeds of certain ways, mm-hmm. but I'm not looking at the breed. Mm. I'm looking at the breed if it's a, a medical uh, a medical scan, mm-hmm. because I know certain breeds are prone to certain diseases and stuff. I see. So when I talk to them, it makes no difference. That's, that's really, that's interesting, because that's just like people. Yeah. You know, um, okay. So let's see. What are some other things that I got here? I've wrote down s- so many questions for you. I'm like, but what have we answered? So I kind of have to go through ones that we've already discussed. Um, and then, let's see. Oh, so notice the different similarities between the way different species communicate or how they feel. So different species of animals. Do they? No, it's all pretty much the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, let's just go. Let's just go to the time I was in Sydney, Australia, at the zoo, <coughs> and um, it was 1998. And I'm standing there, and my friends and my ex-husband had walked away, and this this elephant caught my eye, and she was standing there doing that nervous elephant thing, that dance thing, yeah. Yeah, and she came as close to me as she possibly could. I was standing there crying. And my husband comes back and he goes, what's going on? I'm like, you know, so I knew how she was feeling. I told her, you know, I talked to her. It it just makes no difference to me. How was she feeling? Now I'm curious. She was upset. She was sad. She needed someone to know that she was sad. Oh. You know, I, I think it was, what is that? What is Dobby saying now? Just screaming. Oh, he wants Dobby, attention. He's saying TV. Oh. TV, TV. Not yet, Dobby. We're talking still. I thought he would say yay. So sometimes I'll be looking and he goes, yay. Oh, my God. That's too funny. Because I believe parents should be obnoxious. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So what's so the most interesting? Species interest- doesn't matter. The oh. The species doesn't matter. The communication is the communication. Got it. To me. Okay. So I think that's freaking amazing that you spoke to an elephant. Like that's, that's amazing. Um, so what's the most interesting thing you've ever heard from an animal? Interesting? Yeah. Or particularly poignant that sticks out in your mind that you're like, that is good. That's one's going to stick around for a while. Um, well, in, I think it was 2003 or 2004, I had a dog come to me that had been a witness to the murder of its owner five years before. Whoa. And they had taken the, the dog to an animal communicator five years before he wouldn't talk to that person. But the dog couldn't wait to give me all the data, and that was very, that was very traumatic. Yeah. It was really traumatic. Oh, my God. That's... Yeah. 
I can imagine. That, that, one, that one just can go away. I, I, I don't think anybody, I don't think that would for anybody. That's yeah. intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how long, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'll just ask it anyway. Um, yeah. How long does it generally take for you to establish a solid trusting communication with your animal clients? Oh, the client? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this, you know, I do my thing. I ask them questions. Did we answer all your questions? How are you doing? Mm. You know, I, I have the, I take the veterinary thing in with me in, in where I, you know, I want to, I, sometimes I'll email them and say, how's it going? I'll call them and say, I need to know, are you doing your homework? I'll give people homework to do. You know, I gave you homework. You did, um, yes. Yeah, because I'm kind of a teacher, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes people will call me and, and it's all about, you know, Rex or Susie or whoever, and Susie's doing this, or I need to fix it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well. Let me tell you, I can do my part, but you need to do your part. And your part is this and that and this and that. I need you to do these things. Will you do these things? Okay. All right. I'm going to. And then I call them to see how they're doing. And I follow up because to me, coming from a medical standpoint, the follow up is important. Right. So I, I don't know. And either they really like me or they don't. I probably do. I've been doing this for. For 18 years, I've been doing it professionally for 18 years, but you know, technically since 1988. And out of all the people I work with, I've probably had three people that lost it and were nasty. Oh wow! And everybody else was fine. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Those are pretty good statistics. Those are really good statistics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if they don't like me, they just never call me back again, and they don't get pissed off at me on the phone, you know. Well, those ones, those are much easier to deal with, right? You're just kind of yeah. like, eh. <laughs> fine bye then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's funny. You're dismissed now. Take it away. Off <laughs> with your head. Oh, <laughs> um, so our... Are the animals ever surprised that you can hear and understand them and can communicate back? Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that a lot, especially from the ones that have already passed. Oh. They'll go, and I get it from people that have passed, too, because I'm a medium for people in past. Mm. And they'll say, what the hell? (laughs) How are you doing that? How did you get here? Oh, oh, okay. You know, and then they're like... I can't believe you can actually talk. Okay, okay, let me tell you this, let me tell you that, let me tell you this, you know, and then it's this rapid fire communication from the person to the, from person to person or pet to person, you know. Yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah, they, there will be, there's a little bit of amazement that I can get through. And you're so, just like, yeah. slow down, let's slow the rolls yeah, here. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then are the humans usually surprised by what they hear from their animals? Yeah, and especially the first timers, mm. you know, because part of the beauty of the animal communication is it changes your viewpoint of that animal. Mm. That makes sense. You know I mean? Yeah. I had um, an owner of a beautiful cocker spaniel that should have been winning like crazy bring the dog to me with the professional dog show handler mm-hmm. and say, Joy, you've got there's something going on here I don't know what it is 
And I asked the handler, I said, what's going on? Well, the dog's being a jerk, blah, 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 blah. And, and she's telling me this, and I'm listening to the dog, and the dog's like, hey, I am not being a jerk. <laughs> you know, like, okay. So the problem was that the dog knew what it was supposed to do, mm. but the handler wasn't listening to the dog and letting the dog show itself. Sometimes you get blessed with the dog that is, you know, the, you have a dog that's the Cindy Crawford hmm. of dogs, you know, and can go out there and show and do and do all the, ter- and do everything that needs to be done, but the person who is supposed to be showing the dog <clears throat> isn't used to letting go and letting the dog do its thing. Yeah. And so... Once the handler understood that the dog was being a jerk, not because the dog was flipping off the handler, just to be flipping off the handler, the dog was being a jerk because the handler wasn't listening and letting the dog do what it needed to do. Hmm. <clears throat> so we did the reading, the dog wins. It's real easy. You know, people say, well, how do I know? And I say, well, how you know that I'm right is that I'm looking for a product. Hmm. Either the dog gets nicer, it feels better, you feel better, and it changes the viewpoint from the owner to the pet. Yes. Now they understand, they understand each other better, and once that pet understands the person better and the person understands the pet better, it changes the whole household. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it's easy, and people sometimes will call me and go, what did you do to my dog? I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, we did this conversation. I said, well, it's a conversation. It, you know, communication is literally, quite frankly, it, it is everything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It really is true. Especially since I, I'm kind of, I'm segueing into the, you are able to communicate with nonverbal children, mine included. Yes. I don't think any, anybody knows that, right? They, anybody oh, on that? Yeah, I'm revealing oh, this, this grand reveal that right. one of my children yeah. is nonverbal. And yeah. so, but you are able to hear them. Yeah. And so what, what do they, do they use? It sounds like they, well, when, and when you spoke to me about this, they use words to communicate. Yeah. Um, do all those nonverbal children use words or do they sometimes use other means of communication to you? That's hard to say because remember I said I get words, pictures, thoughts, and feelings. Yes. And they communicate in all of those. If they're not verbal, they can be shooting me pictures. Mm. And I've been doing it for so long, I just take the pictures and turn it into words. Uh And it goes so fast, I can't tell you, um, you know, if Uma talked to me in words or feelings, or both. I don't know, because it was coming so fast, and I just fast enough at it, I boom, 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 and gave it to you. Yes. Um, I, I, I can't answer that. Yeah. You know? Well, I guess it, it depends on the child, I imagine, right? Yeah, but it, 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 for me, I've been doing it long enough that it doesn't matter how they give it to me, I, I'm pretty fast at turning it into something that you can hold on to that you understand that's that's amazing joy and and, and for me because you're medically oriented then i can just throw all kinds of stuff at you oh yeah right. which i love yeah exactly <laughs> speak all the med lingo <laughs> yeah exactly let me, let me start throwing out the medical terms yeah you know? that was great that was great <laughs> 
Um, so are you able to communicate back with these nonverbal children? Oh, yeah. That's so yeah. amazing. Wow. Yeah, in whatever way they gave it to me, then I give it back to them in the way that they understand. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so then it makes it easier for her to understand what you need, mm-hmm. you know, and, and vice versa. Oh, man, Joy, that is spectacular. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. So um, you also are a Chinese medicine practitioner. You said that you utilize acupuncture and you do massage therapy. Right. How, what, what does that look like with, your, with your, the animals that you do this on? Like, well, I'm not practicing veterinary medicine now, but when I, like, I do on my own animals. But hmm. when I learned veterinary acupuncture in 91 and 92, I just started doing, you know, doing needles on animals and, you know, um, I found that <clears throat> I didn't always use the theory and the points. I would just kind of read the body and feel what the body wanted and put the needles in certain places. Hmm. <laughs> like, and early on, I didn't always, if we had an emergency in the hospital, mm-hmm. I didn't always have my acupuncture needles to hand. I'd have regular hypodermic needles. Right. And one, day we, one time we had a, uh, and it wasn't an Irish setter, it was a, well, it was, I'll say it was a setter, like an Irish setter. Okay. And we had this dog come in. He, the dog had, had had gastric torsion and bloat before. Oof. So what we did is we tacked the abdomen to the side, the, the stomach to the side of the abdomen so it wouldn't torse. Mm. But he was bloated, right? Mm. Yeah. So where, you know, when you have a bloat come in, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to tube them mm-hmm. and get the gas out. Right. Right. Makes sense. So we're, you know, we're getting ready to tube the dog and gas the, you know, gas the dog. And I grabbed a couple of 22 gauge needles, like probably inch and a half. And I just started going down the body and where the needles, where the body said, yes, I just put the needles in. (laughs) And one of the needles, blood started spurting out. And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) What did I do? It started spurting out and then it got slower, slower, slower and it stopped. And when it stopped, the dog took a deep breath, and the stomach just decompressed. Wow. I know. And I just started doing acupuncture, and I asked one of my teachers, I said, what does that mean? They said, you let out the excess in the blood. The excess blood came out, balanced out the body. We still did the Western medicine stuff, just to be sure. Oh, sure. But when I do animals, uh, a lot of it is more of the feel, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to human acupuncture school because I wasn't really using the theory. Mm-hmm. I was going on what I felt was needed and what was I was being guided to do and that kind of <clears throat> But I did, I had a, cl- a classmate that knew I had these abilities. And so what she would do, she'd say, she'd say come see me, go, come in this room with me. And, you know, we do our exam, our Chinese medicine exam and stuff, and she'd say, what are you getting? In front of the client, the patient. Oh. And I'd say, well, are you having problems with this and problems with that? And they go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then we treat accordingly. Um, so I, I'm studying for my national exam in acupuncture so I can actually practice acupuncture. Awesome. <laughs> but when I was in school... 
I would oftentimes, you know, I would ask the, the, my, um, my supervisor, how about this point, how about that point, can I do this point, can I do that point, because I still have a lot of that intuitiveness to do stuff. Yeah. So, and when I do massage on people, my hands just kind of know where to go. That's and amazing. And I do, you know, I do, when you take a, a veterinarian with their knowledge of different species and anatomy and physiology and put it on a person that you know the anatomy and physiology, but even more of the movement and stuff. Yes. I take my knowledge that I got from the animals and apply it to people. Huh. And it, it's wild. I mean, I can release, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a screen chicken. <laughs> and you know sometimes people have really bad shoulders mm-hmm. and they need to have their shoulders released well I wasn't taught to just dig my elbow into the into the muscles mm. and so I'm, I'm thinking okay I only have an hour which really isn't if you haven't had a massage a long time an hour is not long enough right yeah and I, I, I want to give this person the most bang for their buck and I figured it out that there are places on the hip if your right shoulder is real bad I will do I will do pressure points on your hip and it doesn't feel good yeah and I'll say to the I say to the to the client does it hurt here and they'll go yes yeah good is it a, give me a one to a ten ten is the worst and I have this device that I use it's like this a wooden device that has a ball on the end and I'll press the hell out of that point mm-hmm. and I'll go oh it's a four no it's an eight it's a nine I'm saying okay good and I'll keep pressing I'll keep pressing keep pressing keep pressing because I'm trying to move the chi in the blood now the Chinese medicine kicks in uh-huh. I'm trying to move the chi in the blood and I'll press the press but I say I need to know it goes to a four huh. okay it's a four then I'll go all around that area finding the points that are bad then I say to them now move that if it's the left hip now move the right shoulder and the right shoulders released. Wow. I That's know. amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I learned that I learned that if it's the right shoulder it's gonna be the left hip. The animals taught me that. Wow. Because even though we're walking upright, mm-hmm. you know how you move your right hand with your left leg? You see if you're yes. it's it's just that we're standing up. So I use the things that the animals taught me to fix the people. And I I, I have a client who's in Texas and every two weeks and once a month at least every two weeks she has one of my massage friends that does animals in Texas she has her come to her house and massage one of her older show dogs so one day my friend Roberta's over there she's getting ready to massage this dog and she says Joy they call me and I do my medical thing and I'll say you did really good on the massage but it hurts here I need to do this, you know, and they're in Texas and I'm in California. Right. So she, you know, the masseuse calls and says, I can't, I can't do anything at the neck because this dog wants to bite me and it's like a, a Malamute. Mm. Well, you don't want to be on the front end of a dog if you're messing with their neck and it hurts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Makes and I sense. said, okay, well, she says it needs to go to a chiropractor. I said, no, it doesn't need to go to a chiropractor. I need you to do this. So I had her go to the opposite hip of the part of the neck that was so tight that the dog wanted to bite her. Mm-hmm. And I had her do what I do on people. Mm. I said, now go to the neck. Oh, well, it's so much better. It's not trying to bite me. 
it's just the beauty of knowing the body and feeling that release and feeling the chi and the blood and it's magic it's just magic that's I, amazing I, it's a blessing that i've learned it from the animals first i can give it to the people you know that is so cool and it just I confirms know. that we're all connected even to yeah. our animal friends <laughs> Yeah, yeah, our yeah, our exactly. fur babies and our green babies that's right that's right <laughs> i love that joy it's, cool. it's really cool um so how if somebody wanted to contact you how could they contact you to to get your services oh they can go my website is dot joymason.com mm-hmm. and the prices are there they can they can book an appointment there um, it's an old website I'm working on changing it to a more zen very <laughs> ooey kind of wonderful <laughs> website but that's what I have for now and awesome. they can they can contact they can look for me on Facebook at I think it's Joy Mason Animal Communicator mm-hmm. um and yeah and I work all the time I'm not a morning person so I don't usually I don't usually start until you know and I'm studying for my board so I don't usually start until two o'clock in the afternoon Mm. California time California time okay um yeah you know and I'm I'm usually I'm usually available seven days a week awesome I work I work all the time if I can great And and I love the stories and I love working with the animals and it's it's just a lot of fun, but I you know I want to say that I'm I'm all self taught, mm. and I'm not in my book your typical animal communicator. Mm-hmm. I mean you know I mean I do know there are animal communicators that the animals love them so much they just run right up to them and hi how are you? we don't have that kind of relationship. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that kind of a dog person. Mm. You know what I mean? I love them all. But if Auntie Joyce says, you, we're not going to do that anymore, that behavior is not acceptable, we're not doing that anymore, your butt is busted. Yeah. So, you, you see what I mean? And people, you know, they want me to handle some behavioral problem. I'll, like, I'll be like, okay, but I need you to back me up by doing this and that and the other thing. You need a dog trainer and your animal needs an acupuncturist and a chiropractor and then let's let's touch base again in a month yes you know um i'm just not i'm not in you know i didn't know what the auric field was or whatever i'm not <laughs> one of those who we do and i used to tease people and say i'm not sitting here with a crystal ball and mm-hmm. i'm burning incense and i have a long skirt you know i'm not doing that i i started out as a scientist for gosh sakes yes you know I mean? yes oh you asked me about an interesting thing right one of the more is well I told you about the dog that witnessed the death of the owner right um but some of the more interesting ones are the ones that see ghosts oh my god they can see ghosts that's right because that's like a thing I've seen like people who think like dogs can see spirit oh my god please elaborate (laughs) I had one of my clients who was at a dog show. She was an agility person. Mm-hmm. And she was explaining to me that her one dog stopped eating, didn't want to eat. I, and she's telling me, I said, you've got a ghost at your house. I said, we can't do the reading here because the ghost isn't here. When you get home, call me, let's do the reading. So she had two German shepherds. One could see the ghost, one couldn't. Whoa. So 
I told her, you know, this this ghost, there's this there's a tall ghost and a short ghost and there are two women and blah 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 and she goes, Well, I know the one, she died like six months ago in my complex. And I'm like, Okay, she says, I have to find out who the other one is. <laughs> so I gave her some stuff, you know, your regular stuff like, you know, um, do a clearing, you know, do some sage, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And the dog still wasn't eating. Mm. So she found out who the other one was. Turned out that the tall woman was a best friend of the short woman. Oh. And they used to hang out together. So they weren't trying to scare the dog. They, they used to always cook. So they were just coming around when she was making their dinner because they wanted to help. Oh. I had to tell him, had to tell him, we appreciate it, but you can't do it. Oh. So, turns out in this particular case, the client at one point took a picture of the dogs, and you can see the ghost in the picture. Wow. Yeah, there's a white blob in the picture. Oh my God. That I must know. have been a trip. Some of the ghosts are like that. I had another client that called one of the more recent ones, and. Her dog, she lived in a townhouse or something, and the dog would not come into the kitchen. It would only go down. It would it stop. It was freaking out, getting really nervous, and I said, <clears throat> so I have to start doing my investigation. You know, the medical thing, let's find out the cause of the problem. Yeah. So I asked her all these questions, and I'm like, you got a ghost. i got to find out, where did, where did this ghost come in? Um, and it turned out that she had bought a window. She had got a window from some old house that had been torn down. And I told her to take, it can't be in the house. Mm. <laughs> so the dog got better, but was still nervous. She called me back about a week or two later. So I told her, I said, she says, well, she's better. I said, but you still, there's something attached to that window. She had to get rid of the window. Mm. And once she got rid of the window, the dog was fine. Wow, that's yeah. so amazing. So some of them can see ghosts, and some of them can't see ghosts, hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's just like people. Yeah. You know, I can see things, and my ex-husband couldn't see anything, but, you know, he got to the point where he'd go, okay, what, what is it now? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's more frustrating when you have somebody that can't see him but won't admit to it. Yeah, I'm like, come you know, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my abilities are wild because um, I can, whatever, you know, they have all these clairsentience and clair this and clair that. So I can read furniture. Really? I can't go to to antique store because one time I went to the antique store, I started at the front, and by the time I went to the back, so many things had glommed onto me, I could hardly walk. Because yeah, because they've you know they've collected a whole bunch of energy right. throughout right. the years that they've probably just like just like showing themselves to you as you walk That's through the so store. <laughs> Furniture. Um, sometimes the trees talk to me. Oh, it, it, it's, a, it's it's wildlife. It's just wild. I love that. That's amazing. And it sounds very loud all the time <laughs> for well, you. I, I I try to tune it out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I do my best to tune it out, and you know, I live alone in a quiet place on five acres. I, I little guest house on five acres, and mm -hmm. you know, it's it's dark and it's quiet, and I didn't know how much I needed it until I moved from the city out here. 
Wow. So, you know, because because it can be real, like you said, it can be very loud. Yes, very, very loud, especially yeah. when you're already sensitive to everybody's inward thought process, even the yeah. animals and the trees and ugh, antique furniture. I can imagine antique you just, <laughs> you're like, yeah. I just need to have some space where it's quiet and I don't have all this stuff going on in my head. That's right. That's right. And if you, <laughs> if you followed me home, you need to go away. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> well, this was really fun, Joy. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you took the time to talk to me and answer all of my questions. And I mean, you're just a fascinating lady. I'm just so excited. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm the kind of person that you, you wouldn't want to go to. There's certain places you can't go with me. Like, you, you don't want to go to a haunted house, with, you know, to a place that's really haunted with me. You don't want to go to a funny movie with me either because... I, I laughed inappropriately at the wrong time. So I the hell up. You know. And there's certain things I don't understand. Like I think I told you that when I was in veterinary school I sat to, next to my husband for four years and he would have to explain the jokes to me because I didn't understand them. So I, either, I would always laugh after everyone else laughed, you know, and yeah. So I'm just kind of a dork with some things and other things I get really quickly. I wish I could get I could get people better because then I would have you know, I would have I could say to you, I have this wonderful man in my life. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just uh, oh, it's just frustrating. I think that's a pretty commonly felt sentiment. I think a lot of people wish we understood what a lot of other people it's me is you know people say well why don't you get on a dating service and stuff and I'm like ah. <laughs> once they find out what you do mm. then they're scared right because they just don't understand animals maybe you can pick up stuff off of me yeah what yeah. do you have to hide exactly. there's the question there you go <laughs> you know yes yeah. so my life is is very very weird. So I can answer all your questions. You know how strange I am. I love how strange you are. I love it. I loved I, I loved you before and I love you still. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that that's everything. And thank you so much for taking time to talking to me, Joy. And well, thank you for being interested in in my my weirdness. Stay weird. Always stay weird. <laughs> so, let me ask you a question. Who's your audience? You know, I I have a few people that have that have contacted me. They're just folks that are interested in all of this metaphysical stuff. You know, because I'm very curious, and so I like to ask questions, and I like to figure out all because this is all very new for me. So. You know, whenever I find something different, I like to really look it up and talk to people about it because right. I feel like there's a lot of people that are interested in it, but really don't know or maybe don't have the time to look it up. So it's like, why not make a podcast? Why not there talk about go. it? Yeah. The thing I want to say is my newest thing that I'm interested in is the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Ah, uh, yay. That's what I'm, I talk about Harry Potter all the time. 
I'm on this podcast. There are things in that movie, and I I haven't read any of the books. I need to do that. I'm (gasps) for my board, so I haven't done it yet. Oh, that makes sense. There are things in Harry Potter that are very, very, very true when you step into the metaphysical world. Dude, yes. Totally. Dude. I'm fairly certain that J.K. Rowling is a light worker or an empath or or both. I personally, myself, I think she channeled every single word in her book. Dude, I think I'm she channeled it. Yes. Oh my I god. I think she did. It's just it's beautiful. I know she did her homework. I you know, mm-hmm. I I've been in the process of writing a book myself and when you start developing those characters, they just come to you and speak and do yep. you see what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. So, can I be a teacher one last time? I want to give your audience Yes. you. <clears throat> and please. exercise. Yes, please. So, I, because of the animals, I firmly believe that they react to our energetic space, which I don't know if that's the auric field. I don't know. I call it the energetic space. That's okay. perfect. Yeah. So, last year, I, I worked at the Australian, Australian Shepherd Club of America National Shows in Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And people were... So people were coming to me and saying, well, my dog is really nervous. It won't listen. My dog is this. My dog is that. And I've been doing this for years, but I, I want to do a podcast. I want to do webinars on this. And it's the energetic space. And mm. this is the exercise. Okay. You have to be sure to breathe correctly, mm-hmm. first of all. And that is when you inhale, your stomach goes out. You exhale, your stomach goes in. Mm. And that is the parasympathetic way of breathing when you're relaxed. Hmm. Most of us are now in the sympathetic mode of breathing, which is from the diaphragm up. Hmm. Right? So if you believe that everything has a harmonic, which I do, yes, it's going to be a different harmonic when you're in the fight or flight mode, which is the sympathetic mode from the diaphragm up versus the parasympathetic, which is from the stomach. Right. Now, animals can definitely tell which mode you're in. Hmm. And the reason you know they can is because their whole being will change. Wow. Totally change. Yeah. Now, if you believe that people, especially children, Mm -hmm. which for me are on the same harmonic as the animals, Mm -hmm. the same harmonic, if you you can change your harmonic with their harmonic and get more zen or into the parasympathetic mode, mm-hmm. then hopefully what will happen is you will see that person or animal also change. And it usually happens, especially with the animals, within seconds. Wow. It's that fast. Now... I play with this, and the, <clears throat> what I tell people, what you can do is, have you ever been to a party, excuse me, and then you see an ex-boyfriend or someone that you didn't like in high school, and you're like, ew, I don't really want to talk to them, and you can put up an energetic bubble, mm-hmm. which either helps you be invisible, like the cloak of invisibility, yeah. or <laughs> it makes you... Um, you you can you can um, be I, I say 
I put up my energetic bubble and if I don't want to talk to somebody, I will put cactus barbs on the outside of it. Whoa, dang. Almost like a repelling thing, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's like, you know, in California, you know how you can have people begging at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So you play the game. The game (laughs) is breathe before you get out of your car, put up the bubble. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to make it too big because you have to share your space with other people. Right. Put up your energetic bubble and then see if that person begs from you or not. Huh. I guarantee you that I'll walk by and they won't say anything to me, but they might approach you. Interesting. Yes. I'm going to play that the game. the bubble is real. They will feel it. Huh. They will feel it. You can't tell me that there isn't a policeman in the United States that will get the hair on the back of their neck will stick up when someone's energetic space is funky. Whoa. Think about it. Yeah. Those guys know. They they can they can they start to get whether they realize it's the bubble or whatever it is, they start to get the harmonic of that person. Mm-hmm. And the more evil ones make the hair stand up on the back of their neck. Wow. So if you start to think that everything has a harmonic, everything is on a certain wavelength, like you're turning the radio station to that radio station. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can fix it. Like when I get in my car, I put up the bubble. Yeah. People have been driving like insane jerks since we've had COVID and they had to stay in and they couldn't go and now they're all nervous and pissed off. And <laughs> yeah. So I put the bubble up. Yeah. And I, if you have the bubble up, and, you know, and you may not want to do it while you're driving. That's a big thing. But I put it up while I'm driving. And if I really am present mm-hmm. and I'm breathing correctly, I can tell you I'm, run, I'm I'm keeping track of the two cars, the two or three cars behind me, mm-hmm. the ones on the side of me and the ones on the front of me. And if someone's in front of me and they're getting ready to come over, mm-hmm. I can feel them enter, I can feel the thought of them entering my space before they move over. Dang. Dang. Now that's a good game to play. Yeah, it is. Because it's put, you're, you're present, you're alert, you're driving your car, you're not distracted by anything, and you've got your bubble around your car, and you're trying to feel if someone's getting ready to impede, come into your energetic space. Now, when I'm really pissed off and I got in the car, <laughs> I have found that sometimes if I'm really mad and really upset, and this doesn't happen much anymore, I will look behind me and there may be, you know, in California, four or five lanes of cars. Mm-hmm. They will be lined up. I don't even know if they know they're lined up. In a line about three car lengths behind me. Wow. And they're I'm like... off now. I'm pissed, and I push that bubble way too far, and I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. I guess I better calm down. <laughs> now, when the bubble doesn't work, in my opinion, is when somebody has been doing drugs. Oh. You know, if you, if you, you have attention on them, and you're like, okay, you need to move over. I don't, I don't blow my horn much at all. If they're getting too close to me, I will push the bubble, push it back, and say, you need to knock it off. Hmm. Back away from me. Hmm. And they'll stop. They don't even know why. But if, but if you push and you're actively pushing and they don't react, then you need to get away from them because they're probably on something and they're not 
they're not really in their car. You know what I mean? They're yeah. out of their body, they're on drugs or something like that. But Gosh. that's a good game to play. You can yeah. play it with people. You can play it with your friends. Do you feel my space? Hmm. Then you can know when you put your bubble out, when they put their bubble. It's a good game to play. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing webinars on the bubble. You understand? Because it's really important. Yes. So if you think of a woman who's walking maybe in not the safest place, mm -hmm. you can put that bubble up and, you know, and say, you don't want to mess with me because I'm a veterinarian. I could castrate you. <laughs> You back away from me right now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And they may not even know what you did, but you you put that energy out there with the barbs. Mm-hmm. It's pretty successful. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? I, yes. That's a game that your listeners can play. Yes. And it's a good game. So give out give the bubble a try. And if, give the energetic bubble a try and breathe. breathe yes. Correctly. Diaphragmatic yeah. breathing, right? No, 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 not the diaphragmatic breathing. No, the no, no. Diaphragmatic breathing is the sympathetic breathing. Oh, sorry. Got it. And, oh, and then the other thing I want to tell them is if they start breathing from their abdomen, be prepared to get a little bit dizzy. Yeah. And the reason they get dizzy is because you're putting more oxygen in your brain than you do if you're breathing from your diaphragm. Got it. And most people that are singers know that they're supposed to be breathing from their from their belly. It's yeah. uncomfortable to do. Most people don't do it because they were stressed out. It's a stressed out society. Yeah. But once you start breathing from your belly, you're gonna notice. Start looking around you. Things are gonna start changing. Your animals will get more calm. They get quiet. Things change because you're not in that high intensity. Right? Yes, fight yes, or flight exactly. mode. Exactly. Wow. That's awesome, Joy. Well, thank you for that exercise. I really hope I hope that people will comment and tell me how yeah. they did it, if they did it and how it worked and if it was effective. Yeah. 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 And they're welcome to call me about the exercise and they can do that. Yes. And if you have a webinar, please let me know so I can let I everybody know, else know. know. I'm working on it. Yeah. I've got to get that ring thing. Okay. <laughs> well, you're beautiful in any case. Oh, thank you, Joy. I think you're, you're beautiful welcome. too. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk more yes yes i would love yes. that all and right from Auntie Joy. oh you know that i will okay. <laughs> and, and ta -ta. i'll talk to you later okay okay bye-bye bye okay everybody so that pretty much covers the interview with joy mason and her animal communication thank you so much for listening and i really hope you enjoyed this interview and i look forward to talking at you again next week when we have more metaphysical topics and crystals and quotes of the week and i hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend and a beautiful week and i look forward to talking to you again soon love and light to you all
If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.